Welcome back to Be Right, presented by Manscaped. I'm Alex Myers. As always, I'm joined by Stephen Hennessy and Christopher Powers. We'll have a talk with the tour junkies a little later. But first, let's talk about what happened at the 3M Open. Michael Thompson, the big winner. Um, great to see a nice guy win. Uh, I had done a story on him adopting a second kid uh, during the pandemic and everything else. Um, obviously, we all saw his emotional interview. Very cool to see someone like that who goes seven years without a win get another win. But unfortunately, none of us bet on him. Um, I'd plugged him into my DFS lineups a couple times recently, not this week. We all were pretty big on Tony Finau. Uh, and again, unfortunately, Sunday seemed to let him down. Now, you look at the final numbers. He shoots a 68. He finishes T3. But, you know, he birdied the last hole to vault from outside the top 10 up to T3. He had another golden opportunity to win. Um, he was looking to win his second title like Michael Thompson, and he just didn't put any pressure on early against a, you know, let's be honest, a pretty weak field. So I guess, Steve, let's start with, with Tony Finau. We were kind of disappointed in that finish from him. Yeah. I went out on a limb and put a pretty sizable wager on Tony, uh, hoping, you know, he would turn from top 10 Tony to winning Tony. But uh, again, the weekend, I mean, he looked great the first two days. Uh, and then, you know, Saturday he's paired with, I mean, it's just a step up in class. You would think Tony Finau compared to Michael Thompson and Richie Warinsky on Saturday. And, you know, he just really played poorly. He lost strokes on approach and off the tee. The off the tee is the most surprising thing. I mean, that's just a course so well suited to his game. I thought, you know, this was going to be the time for him to break through. He lost strokes both days, Saturday and Sunday. Obviously, so disappointing. You know, I thought maybe having his coach on the bag might, you know, be a little turning point for him. But uh, man, it, it's it's frustrating, you know, to be rooting for him and have so much money potentially on the line. But uh, you know, like you said, we weren't on Michael Thompson, but no one really was. So you know, cool to see Thompson break through. And I know CP, uh, you had a little heartbreak with Alex Norin. Uh, care, care to tell that tale to not us. really. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that was, uh, yeah, that was, that was rough. That's one of those, you know, he was, uh, what did I bet him at? Like 100 or 125. I think it was 100 to one. That's one when he, when he gets into contention, all of a sudden your heart is just going crazy. Cause I had, I'm, I'm, I think it was a, it was a thousand dollars to win if, if he won. <clears throat> and, uh, out of nowhere on Sunday, he kind of, well, he was, he was in contention, but then, they kind of just weren't showing him, which was really frustrating. Right. Uh, you know, this is like a guy who's won 10 times on the European tour. And I know that graphic went viral that they, <laughs> they had uh, zero career wins for Alex right. Noren, which could not be further from the truth, obviously. But um, yeah, and then he gets to 16, 16 under, and they're still not really showing him. And, and I'm just like, kind of, you don't want to rip the TV out of the wall, but uh, obviously they're not going to show guys just because you bet on them but uh th then he then he uh burned two edges on 17 and then 18 as well wouldn't have been enough anyway but uh that's all you can ask for with 100 to 1 is, is uh you know coming down the stretch uh, a real shot at it like he had and uh you know made Sunday a little a little exciting for those of us who didn't have uh Tony Finau or uh Michael Thompson yeah um and and back to Thompson you know it's interesting because Here's a guy who almost, you know, he was a stud at, at University of Alabama. Um, he almost wins the 2012 U.S. Open, kind of out of nowhere. And then he wins the next year at the Honda Classic. And now he goes seven years without winning. And then, you know, you watch a guy like this on Sunday, and 
the shots he's pulling off down the stretch under pressure. I mean, 18, you know, there's, it's a par five, but there's water everywhere. Um, he makes the birdie. Uh, 17, that, that long par three over the water. He hits a great shot to about 10 feet. 16, of course, the incredible long bunker shot after driving it up by the green, um, you know, with water behind it and everything else. It's just amazing to me that, that there's so many guys like this who are this good. And, you know, on, in one week he finally, you know, he's always a good putter. His, his uh, iron play has killed him. But, of course, he led the field this week in strokes gained approach. So he had that one great week. And he put everything together, and it just shows you how many guys there are like that out, out there. So, I mean, well, well done by him. But um, is he a guy who we, you know, look at with a little value now, or does he get pumped up too much have, coming off that win? Yeah, it's a lot to ask for him to kind of follow that up, you know, one win, uh, you know, seven years later. But the approach numbers speak for themselves. He gained uh, over about two strokes on his approach three of the four rounds, and, you know, you kind of waited for him to, to fall off a little. That's kind of been his MO. He gets hot Thursday, Friday, and then, you know, the pressure gets to him a little, but that bunker shot said everything. I thought, you know, that's huge moment, you know, the tournament's on the line and he puts it to two feet. Uh, so yeah, I mean, good for him. He gets in all the majors. Now he could be someone, you know, you round out your DFS lineup with like you did this week, but he was less than 1% owned. So Myers again, sharp with his DFS picks. <laughs> also, yeah, he, I mean, Every time I looked at the TV, every single time he was, he had a five footer and he made it every single time. It was unbelievable. Yep. We've seen so was... many of those, like during this restart, Morikawa, obviously those are not easy putts. And he, you know, he took his time, stood over them and everyone was in the center. So that's a tough week to replicate, obviously on the grids. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy because, you know, you always hear these guys say that they're close or whatever, but um, when I talked to him about the, the adoption back, I don't know if that was still March or April, um, he was actually, you know, he was pretty, he was obviously thrilled about the adoption, but he was, he was a little bummed about the season being halted because he had been putting in all this work with his coach. And after, I'm looking at his record here, after four missed cuts and then a 57th at the Honda, he actually shot a, a bogey-free 68 in round one at TPC Sawgrass. And he was really thinking that he was about to start to find something. And then all this happened. And he did have a T8 at RBC Heritage, which, you know, again, is a shorter track, which, which helps him. Um, and then, you know, made cuts at Travelers Rocket Mortgage, but then the missed cut at Workday. Um, so you weren't, you were thinking he was kind of rounding into form, but then not really with the missed cut. And then, you know, he goes crazy at the 3M Open. So again, it just shows you how there's so many of these guys who can just finally find it that one week um, and get it going. And hopefully we'll find a guy this week to do the same. Although this week, obviously, uh, WGC is going to be an incredible field. We've got two PGA Tour events, WGC, um, FedEx St. Jude, and then, of course, the Barracuda Championship, which is an opposite field event. Uh, first, Steve, I do want to talk about a little gambling news that we had this morning that you were kind of at the forefront of involving DraftKings and the PGA Tour. Please tell us a little more about that. Yeah, so DraftKings became the official betting partner of the PGA Tour uh, starting today, which, you know, doesn't sound like much on the surface, sounds like a press release kind of thing. But, you know, when you kind of look at it and what this allows the PGA Tour to do, it becomes interesting. Uh, I talked to Norb Gambuza, who's the tour, um, you know, senior VP who's kind of in charge of all gaming and, you know, asked him a couple, you know, pointed questions. What does this really mean going forward? 
Um, and, you know, it has true sports betting uh, integration possibilities, including, you know, the leaderboard on PGATour.com, uh, including PGA Tour Live, more of a, an odds emphasis. You know, he talked about how if there's, you know, a featured group coverage, you might have, you know, graphics on the screen with odds, um, announcers talking about it, bringing in content. Obviously, the tour has the Action Network and Golf Bet partnership. We're partners with the tour as well. So um, I think this is just the next step in the tour embracing uh, sports betting. And it's super interesting because two years ago, you really couldn't say the same, but they've been really aggressive in this area. So, you know, I think we all have talked about in the future, you know, what is this going to look like in five years? You know, could there be like a, a betting or uh, DFS specific show while a, a tour event is going on? And, right. you know, I think right now all, all potential is on the table. Um, you know, all these things are being talked about. There's also uh, the IMG arena uh, partnership again, which was announced last year. It didn't really seem like much, but, um, we had a little bit of news there as well, that this is going to be a live par three betting app, uh, betting game that's going to roll out during the FedEx cup playoffs. So what that means is there's going to be odds on, uh, I think a couple holes, each tournament, every regular tour event where you can bet on guys, um, there'll be different markets, whether it's close to the pin, you know, matchup bets, et cetera, uh, with some video included on these par three holes, whether it's on the tee box on the green, um, and it's just really cool that the tour is embracing it. I think a lot of people were pushing for this, uh, you know, for a while. So, you know, to see them being aggressive and taking advantage of this opportunity, uh, you know, it, it's pretty cool to see. Yeah. I mean, gam gambling is not going anywhere. It's obviously it's picking up. It, you, you might as well jump on the train and, and get on board. It still blows my mind that I'm in New York. I can't make bets like you guys. And then even you can't make bets when you cross into Connecticut or, or into New York. I mean, the, the, all the, the rules right now are yeah. so crazy. Every I'm sure a few years from now, we're going to look back and be like, that was so ridiculous. Oh, <laughs> totally. I mean, you know, New York, it's actually legal to bet on sports in New York. It's just the mobile that they, you know, it's right. kind of ridiculous. They haven't legalized that. Um, but, you know, once these states kind of see the huge tax implications and the revenue they can generate, uh, from embracing sports betting, doing it smartly, uh, you know, I'm just, I think it's going to be, you know, nationwide pretty soon. So definitely. Um, all right. Before we get into our interview with tour junkies and our picks for this week's tournaments, uh, I'm going to turn it over to Chris Powers right now with a word from our partners at Manscaped. Uh, support for the Be Right podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. They obsess over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. We've been talking about it for weeks. I don't need to reiterate how, uh, how great the product is. I've used it plenty of times and uh, all is well so far. Um, I've had plenty of trimmers in the past that have caused uh, some injuries and that's not the case with the new and improved Lawnmower 3.0, which the Manscaped engineering team spent 18 months perfecting and I can attest to it being the greatest ball hair trimmer ever created. Their third generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce manscaping accidents thanks to Manscaped's advanced skin safe technology. When I tell you this is premium, I mean premium. The battery will last up to 90 minutes so you can take a longer shave 
and the water resistant technology allows you to groom in the shower. One of the coolest features is the LED light, which illuminates grooming areas for a closer and more precise trimming. They've also upgraded to a 7,000 RPM motor with quiet stroke technology. And let's not forget about the charging stand. Show your mower off loud and proud because this intelligently designed stand is a convenient charging dock powered by USB. If you are listening to me speak right now, I want you to experience it firsthand for yourself. You can get 20% off free shipping with the promo code GD20. That's capital GD20 at manscaped.com. Again, that's GD20 at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Well done, as usual, from CP, and apologies once again to Mrs. Powers for enduring that, but uh, your son's a pro's pro. So uh, on that note, we're going to go to our interview with the tour junkies who are uh, one of the leaders in golf DFS and betting. We talked to uh, David Barnett and Pat Perry uh, about this week and just their rise in uh, popularity in the space in general. So have a listen to our talk with the tour junkies. We are honored to welcome the tour junkies to the Golf Digest betting podcast. That's David Barnett, Pat Perry, two of the funniest guys, I think, in the space of gentlemen. What's going on? Oh, wow. Thanks for that compliment there. <laughs> we appreciate it, man. Thank you. It's good to be yeah. here. Thank you. Yeah, it's great to be here. We appreciate you all having us on. Yeah, I know it's during the day. So, you know, maybe you guys don't have the podcast juice. Uh, <laughs> doing. Yeah, what you guys <laughs> like to call a little adult beverage. But, you know, if you do have something... Totally fine. We, we won't we won't blame you, but uh, you know we're kind of kicking off our betting podcast. We're kind of newbies in the space, so you know want to give a little spotlight to some of the personalities out there and show some respect to the guys who paved the way a little bit. You know, uh, we had Pat Mayo uh, having you guys on, Rick Gaiman, Bernie Gadula. So you know, you guys have been doing this for a long time, and as golf betting continues to grow, just interesting to hear from your all's perspective and you know I think you guys especially have a fun vibe you know I know a lot of your fans kind of are really invested in it you know they watch your live YouTube channel they're part of the the 24-7 Slack channel which you guys call the Nut Hut which is appropriate because we're sponsored by Manscaped so you know a brand there so Uh, perfect you know, you've kind of created this community, which is cool. And, uh, you know, before we ask you guys for your uh, thoughts on this week's tournament, you know, want to kind of talk about your success recently, because I know you had a listener finish uh, first and second place in the $555 uh, DraftKings last week. So that was over 300 grand, pretty crazy. And I heard you guys say, you know, you're up about two, two million bucks with your community specifically uh, since the restart. So, you know, I know why we all get into this is kind of to help people win money. I know we like to win money selfishly, but, um, you know, how cool is it uh, for you guys to kind of see what you've, you know, grown and developed and, uh, you know, how these last couple of years have evolved for you guys? And it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty special. Yeah. Last week we had Matthew Moore. He's a listener of ours, went 300 grand and uh, but man, I'll tell you one of the craziest ones is for the rocket mortgage. We had a brand new listener, he just started listening with the restart, um, you know, which, which we anticipated a lot of people would do, right, with golf mm-hmm. being one of the only sports out there. So he just started listening. He put uh, a single bullet into the millionaire maker uh, and won a million dollars, won first place. And uh, he's also a Nut Hut member. So, yeah, we've actually got 
nearly $2 million through the first eight weeks confirmed uh, one by NutHut members, um, which like you said, is our, is our private uh, chat. So it's, it's really cool when that happens, man. I mean, these guys, these guys are having some life changing moments and, um, and they, they pull us in and make us a part of it, which is cool. You get to talk to them about what they're doing. I was chatting with, uh, with Matthew when he was, when he was watching the last few holes last week uh, on the way to winning 300 grand. And he was talking about, he and his wife already had dinner reservations for the night and they were about to go uh, maybe blow through about six bottles of wine. So it's, uh, it's kind of fun to be a part of that, but yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty cool to see people do that. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, single bullet in the millionaire maker. I think that's, that's like what us casual guys do. And, you know, we hear that that's like not the right strategy because, you know, there's people kind of maxing out their entries and, uh, you know, really devoting some, you know, serious science and data to this. So hearing that kind of stuff kind of gives us average guys a little hope. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, you know, too, it's been, it's been just cool kind of watching how things have grown with us over the years. And, you know, we never, one of the things we didn't think about when we created that chat was the fact that it would kind of come, become a community. Like we're not real. I mean, we're in there a few times a week to offer up advice and whatever else, but really a lot, there's a lot of sharp listeners that we have and they, they get in there and chat it up and give us a lot of information that we, you know, make us think in different angles that we haven't thought of before. So that's that's almost become sort of a side effect of creating that that we we never really envisioned from the start um but it's really probably my favorite thing about it so and then of course you know having these guys win some money is is just a plus Uh, and obviously steve was mentioned humor is a big part of of your guys uh you know kind of explosion you got such a big following i'm wondering it's it's a pretty fine line with these pga tour players who um, you know, they're notoriously thin skinned. I'm kind of wondering how many, how many times you guys, you know, start a tweet and, uh, maybe, maybe delete it before you hit send. Uh, Pat probably does that. Pat probably more guilty of that than me. Um, uh, Pat, you want to answer that question? Well, I mean, we can go back to near the start of it when, uh, I, well, that was on the pod. I didn't tweet something out, but I said something on the pod about Stephen Bowditch and, um, he caught word of that somehow. And this was back when he was, you know, more regular on tour and he was going through, it was was kind of the start of his struggles. And I basically said that, uh, I think it was the master's podcast that that he made me want to throw up in my mouth. And so he caught word of that and sent us a little DM on, on on Twitter. And and then it, then we had him on the show and we did this whole apology and all that kind of stuff. And he, he became somewhat of a friend of ours. So, yeah, I mean, I think these guys are pretty thin-skinned for the most part, but they like to have fun, too, and they're just normal guys. You know, we love having, like, kids on. You know, he's a, he's a great personality and doesn't take, they, you know, take things too seriously. So, um, yeah, I think Bowdo is the, the, the biggest one I can remember. I don't know. Well, Horschel, Billy Horschel, too. I made fun yeah. of him for wearing his hat backwards at the Open Championship a couple of years ago he uh that got him on the pod so you know it's actually a plus for us whenever i make fun of somebody and they got a little bit of thin skin yeah it's like they a lot of them kind of respond uh angrily first and then you can kind of bring them around so i'm not surprised by that yeah (laughs) something we can learn from you know going forward i guess just start ripping on people take shots i love oh man i love the uh who talks more, Matthew Wolf or your, your wife or girlfriend? <laughs> yeah, that was that was funny. Now, one thing we will say, we don't we we don't like when 
your DFS lineup that you put $3 into and you lost money and then you at people, you at players on Twitter or whatever. We, we are strongly against that. So we, we will never uh, condone anybody adding a player because they lost them some money. Yeah. You got to draw a line somewhere. I think most of our listeners know if they, if you listen long enough that there are players that we, you know, have a little fun with and make fun of, you know, kind of tongue in cheek, similar to Matthew Wolf, that Matthew Wolf uh, post that you're just referencing, Chris. But there are are also players that we've pretty much um, bashed so hard um, that there is zero chance that they will likely ever come on our show or or like us or uh, want anything to do with us. And we've accepted that. And so we, you know, we we move on and we continue to to bash appropriately. So um, Matthew Wolf is not one of those guys. We like, we like Matt Wolf, but, but he is a, uh, boy, he, he, uh, he had his talker turned on that day and that was pretty, that was pretty fun to watch. Yeah. People love all the personalities and, you know, you guys have made, like you said, a bunch of connections through this. And then, you know, the nice thing is you leverage those in terms of making your picks each week. You know, you have a bunch of caddies who you, who you talk to and, you know, players also just getting a feel of the, the course and, uh, you know, who you're going to target. So got to ask for this week, uh, you know, based on some early conversations or, you know, what you know about TPC Southwind, uh, you know, what are you hearing for this week? Who do you like? Well, we, we usually don't uh, start bugging our, our on-site uh, friends until Wednesdays. So we're right. recording this on Tuesday. So we haven't heard much right now, um, but I'm sure we will. We've got a number of friends that are, that are on the course, either playing or, or caddying for somebody. Um, you know, TPC Southland, everybody kind of knows what this course is, right? We played it here almost 30 years. It's just the second year for the WGC. It is um, a little tougher course than what we've seen since the restart, I guess. Um, uh, you know, looking at, at maybe scores of anywhere from, you know, 13 to 16 under, or so going to win. Um, and, and I think a lot depends on the weather, too. If you go back and look at some historical uh, you know, press press releases and, and player comments. A lot of guys talk about, you know, how much more difficult this place plays firm as it's intended to be. And if the wind starts getting, you know, get getting going, uh, it can definitely be tough. But this is a fairway. You know, you got to hit fairways here. Um, the greens are smaller than your average greens on the PGA Tour, and they're they're that champion Bermuda. You got to be familiar with those and be comfortable. And you're going to miss greens. So when you miss them, you better be able to chip out of that out of that Bermuda um, and, and onto those small undulating greens. So this is uh, – I think this is a course where you can see Bombers win, which we've seen over the last couple of years. But I think you could still see a shorter, more accurate player who's just on that week uh, come up and win this event. So, I mean, Fabian Gomez, Ben Crane have won this this uh, this tournament when it was just the – when it didn't have the WGC status. So if those little – if those little short knockers that can hear their ball <laughs> land off the tee can win this thing, then, uh, you know, it definitely opens it up. Yeah. Brian Gay too. I mean, it's, it's really mm-hmm. a mix of uh, types of players. Pat, who, who you liking so far this week? Well, you know, I think, um, and I tend to like, if you're talking to, from a betting standpoint, I, I, I will go shorter a little bit uh, than, than DB likes to go, but, I'm really liking Terrell Hatton this week. I mean, he's a guy that we've seen play very well since the restart. Um, you know, he, he's won already this year. So I, I think he is a great play uh, this week. And, and he's, you know, you look at the stats, he's, he puts well in Bermuda. He's accurate off the tee. This really is the first event I feel like since we've been back where really accuracy off the tee is, 
is it more of a premium than we've seen? So I like that about hat about you know about Hatton, you know. And I'm a, I'm still a big fan of Victor Hovland. I mean, that's another guy that's one of these young guns that just hasn't you know he's he's been there every week really uh, that he's in the field. Um, so I'm a big fan of him as well up up here, kind of you know near the top as far as your favorites this week. Uh, I don't know if DB if you got any different up here, but but those are two of my favorites. Yeah, I like it. Uh, you know, Hovland's just gaining so many strokes off the tee. It's kind of a matter of time. We saw him kind of struggle at Memorial, but, uh, you know, had a week off and maybe this is it. So I like it. Uh, you know, I, I know you guys kind of balance, you know, course history and recent form and, you know, looking at there's so many stats at our disposal these days. And I think you guys kind of look at strokes gain approach uh, pretty decently, but you mix it up and you, you know, you talk to these guys on tour for some opinions. So maybe just talk generally quickly, um, you know, what you look at going into each week and kind of your process there. That's a really good question, Stephen. Um, and I think, you know, the tendency, if you do this, if you do this, uh, you know, for a long enough period of time, whether it's DFS or betting is to kind of get stuck in that same routine of what you look at, but it has to be dynamic week to week. It, it, it has to be dynamic from the tournament that you're playing, the golf course they're on, the, the structure of the tournament like this week in a no-cut event. Um, you know, things have to be dynamic. What you weight stats versus history versus form has to be dynamic. What stats you weight has to be dynamic. And every week you're looking at it somewhat differently. Um, as we've done this for the last five years plus, um, I think we've both become a little less dependent on stats and models and things like that. Um, and it's a little more eyeball test. It's a little more form and, um, and long-term, maybe long-term stats uh, being weighed a little more. Like really what type of a player has this guy been over his career? Where is he trending now? But not being too committed or married to some short-term, you know, proximity number or something like that. Um, so it just, it just depends. And, and then when we talk to players and caddies and coaches, it's amazing how many of them would just say, dude, you know, what you're trying to do is so hard. You know, our, our, our buddy John Tillery, who's a coach to Ricky Fowler and, and Kevin Kisner says, you know what you guys don't ever take into account that probably means more than anything? Strokes gained home life, right? Mm-hmm. How are things at home with mama, with, you know, with, with the kids, with what's going on? Like, those are the things that you guys will never know. And, and, and those are the things that can change a player who's been in, in horrible form, but something clicks at home. And, and, and he's going to come out and win a golf tournament or so there's so many golf is so variable that it's so tough to just get so ingrained in your model. Right. Um, and that's what we've kind of learned through the years. And then in terms of DFS, you know, if you're playing in these big tournaments like the Millie maker ownership leverage and having those low owned guys um, sprinkled into your lineups is also what makes almost a bigger difference than, than anything else. Uh, a lot of times. Yeah, I like it. Um, in terms of this week, uh, you know, some of those lower owned guys, maybe lower on the board, or are there some, you know, who you guys are kind of rounding out your, your lineups with this week, a little down the board, maybe 8,000 and below. Hmm. 8,000 or below. Let's see. Um, uh, I mentioned on the podcast for the first time in a while, a guy right at 8,000 that I haven't played in a, at, hardly at all, but Sergio strikes me as an interesting mm-hmm. play this week. I don't have to worry about him, you know, missing the cut on the number with some four foot putt on the, the 36th hole of the week. Uh, since the WGC is a no cut event, he's been ball striking really well. 
uh, since the restart. And then another kind of sneaky tournament play that I think is going to be lower owned for me is at 7,500, and that's Kevin Na. Another just tee to green guy, doesn't get in a lot of trouble, and actually ranks pretty high since the restart, and birdies are better. Two top 10 since the restart. Now he's always a withdrawal risk, but um, but I think Na's an interesting name down there at 7,500 too. Like you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to say something. We disagreed about him on the show last night. So yeah, yeah. No, I mean, when I look down here, there's there's a couple guys that I I think that I'm I'm looking at, and and I've been a, a sucker for Scotty Scheffler all year, mm-hmm. and he's really pretty Phil, much screwed me. But gross. <laughs> the guy is, you know, for one, at least we get him in a no cut event, and he can score. I mean, he can go low at any yeah. time we, we saw him do that in that I can't remember which tournament it was where he shot like seven over in the first round but then like a 63 the second round he still missed the cut but he is a guy that can go low and score and you need those type guys this week to different and, and he's going to probably be low owned as well so when you have these no cut events you really got to try to differentiate yourself and differ, differentiate your, your lineup so I think chef could be a guy that I'd be willing to look at down the here you know, another guy that's been playing really well is Matt Wallace. It, you know, he's below 7,000 at 6,700. I think he's one that's going to be low-owned in a, in a pretty good play as well. But um, it's a strong field, so you really got to, you know, try to – I think these these cheaper guys, you know, talking about the, the, you know, the below 8,000 guys, that's that's going to be where you win a contest is where you, where you pick down there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of strong fields, before we let you guys go, can we get – an early PGA championship pick. That's going to be a very strong field at TPC cool. Harding Park, as we know. Well, I know mm. DB's, DB's already put a bet down on, on, the, uh, on the PGA championship, yeah. I believe, right? I don't know if you want to if – that, if that's the name you want to go with. But Yeah, I mean, the most recent one that I put down is Colin Morikawa. Um, I think I put it down. It was like 33-1 to 1 a couple of weeks ago. It's, I'm looking now, and I'm seeing like 28-1. to 1. But I like Morikawa at, you know, he's coming back to California, West Coast guy, um, obviously playing incredible, can go low in a PGA championship, which we tend to see more scoring in that one than any other major. So I guess I'd go with Colin. As Pat mentioned, I don't really love playing or betting on the short odds, you know, 14 to one numbers. So I usually go at least into the 20s. Uh, they they don't, I don't write DB's big balls betting card for nothing. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, for, I you know, I got to go with John Rahm. I mean, I think he's, you know, he's obviously number one in the world right now. He's playing really well. Um, I'm interested to see what this course is like. Um, I'm, I'm, I think it's going to be an exciting course for these guys. And um, so, but I, I just feel like Rahm is, is, is really the man to beat right now. Yeah, tough to go against Rom for sure. So, anyways, guys, it's great to have you on. Uh, you know, DB mentioned the the chalk bomb email. Uh, make sure people subscribe to that. It's just part of the the community you guys have grown. So, um, you know, we're big fans. I'm sure everyone listening to this is already big fans. But if not, you know, go check uh, Tour Junkies out on Twitter, Instagram, their website, all that. So, DB and Pat, thanks a bunch, man. Good luck this week. Thanks, guys. We appreciate you uh, having us on. It's fun. Yeah, appreciate it. Boom. All right. Thanks again to the Tour Junkies for joining us. I'm sure that will be the just the first of many times where they're on this show. Um, all right. Let's get into the action this week. A lot of action. We've got a WGC event, the FedEx St. Jude Invitational. We've also got the Barracuda Championship. Obviously, we will spend most of our time 
on the WGC. Um, Steve, first off, you know, this used to be an event that was not classified as a World Golf Championship until last year. The field was a lot different. Um, it was one of those events that kind of got lost in the shuffle. Uh, I believe the week before the U.S. Open, typically, uh, you know, going to Memphis in the summer, tough ask. And now that now they're asking the guys to go there in, in August, which is even tougher. It's going to be a broiler down there. But uh, anyway, tell us a little about uh, about the course that we will be seeing the guys play. Yeah, TPC Southwind has hosted a tour event since 1989 and has had a plethora of winners, including the guy behind me, Harrison Fraser. Uh, but <laughs> I was also, wondering what was going on there. I love that. Uh, you didn't recognize Harrison Fraser? I was trying to. I couldn't. I, <laughs> I couldn't either. I, I thought it like, might be like the New Jersey yeah. Open champion from last <laughs> week. Frank Esposito. Oh no, who won? Who won Jersey State Open? Uh, God, I, I forgot. It was at. Just hands up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's right. That's yeah. right. That's and him. One of your boys, Steve, from your club, made a run. So I was like, shout I don't out, know. Shout out Bill Hook, our uh, our Steve, head. Bill Harrison Hook. Fraser. Getting Steve. Good. Steve turned around before when Myers was was talking. I thought he was like looking at at that at the background, like looking <laughs> into the guy's eyes, Harrison <laughs> Fraser's eyes. I was. Well, the, the point is there's just a bunch of random winners here. Uh, ben Crane is one here, but also Dustin Johnson. And uh, Daniel Berger, too, is one here twice before this was elevated to a WGC last year. So kind of a wide range of uh, types of game who could win. But um, TPC Southwind does have the third, the third smallest set of greens on tour right behind – Pebble Beach and Harbor Town. So, you know, what that says is strokes gain approach and strokes gain around the green are going to be important. Looking at fan share data and what's being talked about the most. Those are, those are two and scrambling really historically correlates to success here. So it's a par uh, 70, 7,200 yards, fast Bermuda green. So a little bump to Bermuda putters and reminder, Brooks Kepka won here last year by three over Webb. Um, so it's going to be interesting. People are going to be talking about Daniel Berger for sure. Um, DJ with the history. So it's kind of like a balance of, you know, that little course history we have, obviously those fields, when those guys, when DJ won twice, Berger won twice, those were different fields. Um, you know, this is a stacked field. We got 45 of the top 50 here. So, um, you know, it's going to be a WGC, uh, cream usually rises to the top in these. Last yeah. two winners who are ranked fifth and sixth in the world are both over 30 to one. Wow. Well, again, interesting scenario. We'll get into both of those guys. Um, I'm sure at some point, let's start with the top of the board here. Uh, to be fair, we're going to use some fan duel odds because I know we already mentioned uh, DraftKings. So, you know, we're, we're all about being fair. Balance here. Got to shop around. That's right. You gotta, and you got to shop. Right. You got to shop around. Good point. <laughs> yeah. um, all right. The favorite this week is our new world number one, John Rahm. He is nine to one, followed by Rory McElroy at 10 to one, Justin Thomas 11 to one, Bryson DeChambeau at 12 to one, and then Xander Shoffley 18 to one. Um, anything jump out from that top tier with any of you guys? Um, you know, I'd stay away from Rahm. I just <clears throat> I hate betting guys to go back to back. That's a you know, probably a bad strategy because it's happened before, but uh. You know, it's just a it's just a big ask, and then uh, in theory it should be a Rory week, but you know he's due. He he loves Bermuda. He tied for fourth year last year. Shot sixty two in the third round, and then 
I think we all know what happened on Sunday. He did his usual uh, Rory swoon. And then, you know, if he ever goes to 18 or 20 to one, I'd consider it, but that's, I don't think that's ever going to happen ever again. So I just can't get behind betting Rory when he, you know, has these bad Sundays and uh, Bryson's finally being priced properly, which, uh, you know, that's a stay away from me. I wish we could go back to the days where he was 25 and 30 to one, but that's probably not happening ever again. And then I, I guess I would consider uh, Justin Thomas because he seems like he's ready to uh, explode again, which is hilarious to say because he won, he's already won twice this season. Yeah. So that's just how good he is. It's like, Oh, Justin Thomas is, he should win any day now, but he already did twice this year. So, uh, but I do, uh, I would make an argument for him. I, I did bet him and, Christina Kim on the LPGA tour wow. as a double. So what does that pay out? Um, $1 bet to pay out a thousand dollars and a hundred, 1,111 or something like that. I don't know. Strong. Okay. I, well, but, but well, before we, I forget, speaking of doubles, this was the week uh, four years ago that someone, a mystery gambler bet. Uh, how much did he bet? $50 on Aaron Baddeley to win this tournament and at the same time Henrik Stenson to win the Open Championship. Oh my god. Little uh 17 134 to 1 odds. He won $86,700 on a $50 bet when both those guys won. That is one of the goat parlays ever. I mean, wow. That is getting 50 bucks on a double is yeah, that is dream scenario. Aaron Baddeley involved when Baddeley hadn't done anything in a couple of years. Nothing. Absolutely, money to blow on that. Yep. So anyway, sorry, Steve, you're you go. Uh, I'm gonna differ a little with uh, Powers. I, I do like Rory. It's a WGC. We know how well he plays in these. Um, Eleven. I'm sorry, he's only one finish worse than eleven in his last thirteen WGC starts. That's pretty insane. And I, I think what's going to be interesting this week is going to look, going to be look at the Memorial and um, you know, I'm going to throw that a little out the window that was just set up so crazily, especially on the weekend that I'm kind of ignoring that a little bit. Um, this is going to be a somewhat difficult course at TPC Southwind, but you know, nothing on the Memorial uh, level. So I think, you know, on the surface, some people will look at that. I wouldn't. Um, Rory, especially interesting, Rick Gaiman from CBS, uh, and our expert panel pointed this out. Rory lost 5.6 strokes around the green at the Memorial. That's his second worst of all time. Um, so his ball striking has been there. We saw him playing. Okay. Uh, going into that week. Uh, he just hasn't had the finishes a couple of courses that didn't suit his eye. This one definitely will. Uh, Paris talked about his decent um, score there Saturday. So I do like Rory 10 to one. Um, you know, if you put a decent amount on it, I, I could see that. Uh, and Rom, I wouldn't necessarily throw him out, um, you know, nine and a half to one. He's played so well the last uh, five, five rounds. Now his last tournament, his last round at workday was solid. Um, that's what got us on, on him before he won. So I do like him. Uh, and then going down a little bit, the next tier, you got Webb at 22 to one. I think that's probably where I'm starting my card after Rory. Uh, he just, he plays so well on Bermuda and he's, he's one of the best players in the world for sure. And he's, he's not getting priced that way. You know, you're getting, uh, you know, Bryson's 12 
12 to one and Webb is 22 to one, almost double the odds. And I would say equal chance of winning. Uh, obviously Webb's won twice already this year. So um, you know, I would definitely consider Webb, especially in DFS. We'll get into that later, but Webb is at uh, lower than 10,000. So you're getting a you know, huge price break there. So I like Webb for sure. Yeah, I a couple things. I was going to get into the next tier. Stevie, you know, he loves to jump the gun, uh, as always. Uh, but uh, no, Rory, you know, it's crazy. Part of me just wants to just put some serious weight on Rory. I mean, he starts the season with six consecutive top fives. Since the restart, he has four consecutive finishes outside of the top ten, which is just completely un, un Rory like. Um, but it's not like he's been missing cuts, like you mentioned. He's been, you know, he's been striking it well. So I think he's on the cusp. We've seen him go on these runs. We've seen him, you know, we've seen him rip off the Open, uh, a WGC, and the PGA all in a row in 2014. Who knows? Next week at Harding Park, obviously, we can talk a lot about that. He won the match play there. This could be the start of a, a back-to-back WGC major run again by Rory. So I, I really do like Rory a lot this this week. But Xander Shoffley. Um, and Webb at 18 and 20 to one. I agree. You're kind of getting that top tier player um, at slightly lower odds. I love both those guys. Um, Xander, it's just been too long since he's won. He's had too many good finishes um, to not win. And Webb, he's had the, all the high finishes and he's starting to rack up the wins. And you mentioned, uh, you know, he was runner up here last year, uh, par 70. That takes a couple of the par fives out of play that, you know, he's not as good on as, as maybe the Roms and the Rory's of the world. So I think that helps him as well. So I really like him. And then even Colin Morikawa, uh, you know, we're talking about uh, great iron players with, with the small greens. Of course, I like him. All right. So now we're into the next tier. We've got Cantley 20 to 1. I was going to say, no one's mentioned Cantley. That's right. Cantley 20 that, to 1. Webb that price, man. Morikawa 22 to 1. Daniel Berger. Again, a kind of an asterisk here, a two-time winner but uh, at this course, but not at this event. Um, now he's playing with the big boys. Uh, Victor Hovland, 27 to 1. Hatton, 28 to 1. Hideki, Fitzpatrick, Tony Finau, 29 to 1. All, so that next tier, we'll get into the, the, the above 30 guys, but in that next tier, I know I've already mentioned uh, Webb, Morikawa, Steve as well. Anybody for you, Chris, that, that's in there, uh, that next tier? Yeah, absolutely, Canley. I uh, yeah. I guess I, I bet him already, and he's kind of in the top tier on the app I use, so I should have used the other app, I guess. Mm, but so you got uh, bad price, typically. Bad price on Canley for Gotta sure. Um, Memorial 32nd. That was the first time in his last eight starts that he's finished outside of the top 17. So wow. uh, we've talked about his consistency before. Uh, this guy is going to be around the top 10 pretty much every week he plays, and I definitely like him to be around the top 10 this week and, and uh, you know, contend for a win for sure. He played well here last year, I think T12, I believe. And that was with a 73 on Saturday. So if he's in the second tier, I really like it. Then he's kind of flying under the radar, which is normally the case with Canley on, on any given week. Yeah. 20 to one. I mean, at FanDuel, that's like where you need to back him. He's at, I think, 14 to one on DraftKings. He just doesn't win enough to back up 14 to one. Right. Um, 21, I can see it because like Chris said, he's going to be in the mix. It's just a matter of actually winning. It does, you know, good to finish in the top 10, but um, yeah, you know, I can see Cantley at 20 to one. Also, it's interesting because these odds, you know, last week we were talking about how guys odds were moved way up uh, because the field was so weak. 
But this week, you have the field being so strong, but because it's also a field that's cut in half with the limited field, yep. it's kind of a mix. You're, you're still seeing guys kind of at their, their same normal price. Uh, so yeah. it, it's, it's interesting. Um, what about Daniel Berger? Just be, I mean, you know, he was red hot before that missed cut um, at the Memorial. Um, you know, a two-time winner at TPC Southwind. Obviously, he was on fire before the missed cut, including the win at Colonial. Uh, you know, are we are we liking him at twenty-six to one, or or have his odds now gone up way too much? Where you know he used to be a forty-to-one guy, now he's up in the twenty-six, twenty-five range. I mean, given his course history and the other guys around him, you know, Morikawa, Hideki, Terrell Hatton. I mean, he has won here twice. It tells me he loves this course, par 70. He makes birdies in bunches, and it's the consistency. I mean, he's maybe not the name of Patrick Cantlay or some of these other guys, but he's had five top tens in his last six starts. Again, throughout the Memorial, and he's got five in his last five starts. So, um, you know, he's not a sexy name. He's a huge price bump in DFS this week, 9,600. You know, you look at the guys around him and consider like Tommy Fleetwood is $1,000 less than him and he's a way bigger name than Daniel Berger, but Berger's right. hot. And, you know, that's why he's priced at 28 to one. And, uh, you know, I would not argue against putting money on him because he has every chance to win, uh, you know, as some of those other guys you mentioned. I think he's got a better chance to win than no, no disrespect to Danny's boy, but Matt Fitzpatrick's 28 to one on DraftKings and Berger's 30 to one. That seems right. odd to me. Yeah, no, that is a little odd. Uh, Tony, I know we already talked about Tony Fino. It's, it's crazy. I'm just looking at his stats here. He's ninth in first round scoring, 14th in second round scoring, 13th in third round scoring, and then he falls to 165th. Oh. Round scoring. Oh. So again, you know, he has all these numbers. He has the 30, um, 30 top tens since his last win. Um, he's tied for the most top tens in a four year stretch without a win. Uh, he's tied with Jim Furyk, who did that once, 30. So he's got a few chances to break this so-called record. Um, on the flip side of that, uh, Justin Ray points out at the 15, uh, 15th club that um, there's he's one of five players with 30 more top 10 since 2016, 2017. The other four guys are JT, Rory, DJ, and Rob. While Finau has won zero times in that span, those four guys have combined to win 29 times. So that just shows, so divide that by uh, four and you have basically what, seven, eight wins between each of those guys. For someone who finishes in the top 10 as much as Finau does, he should have won seven or eight times in the last four oh. years and yet he hasn't won once. I mean, that's just crazy. So the top fives and, thing is even, I think like, oh, exactly. so again, I mean, it's like half, no half of the top five into the DFS yeah. lineup maybe and, and, and doing whatever, maybe betting him top 10, of course, top 10 tone, but um, <laughs> man, it's tough to bet him to win even at uh, 29 to one. Just, just crazy. All right. Next guys, we mentioned Brooks Kepka and Dustin Johnson, or we alluded to them earlier. Uh, Brooks Kepka is the defending champ. Uh, Dustin Johnson won here before. It was that uh, six or seven shot victory when he holed out on 18. I remember um, just a dominant performance. Uh, they are both over 30 to one. Brooks is 31 to one on FanDuel. Dustin Johnson is 33 to one. But there are some major questions with these major champs, uh, including health issues. I mean, Dustin Johnson wins the Travelers, then he shoots a pair of 80s at the Memorial, then another high round at the 3M before WDing. And Brooks Kepka, other than the top 10 at Hilton Head, 
has been terrible this season in 10, no other top 25s in 10 starts. So uh, he's got the knee issue. So are we staying away from both these guys or are we saying, hey, this is a chance to get them at uh, pretty good odds? Yeah, the, the latter, I think for sure. I'm going to have a very, I haven't bet either of them yet, but I'm going to have a very hard time not betting both of them. Wow. Um, the Kepka injury, I, I think is pretty legitimate, it seems like, but uh, he also mentioned that at the Memorial was a little going downhill was hard for him. I don't think uh, TBC Southwind has very many downhill walks, so I don't hate him this week. Um, th- but the thing is, you can't force it. He might just he might just not be playing well either. Obviously, obviously he's not playing well. Um, but again, thirty to one is very hard to stay away, especially with a major coming up next week. You got to think that he's going to lock it in here these next two weeks. But it, like I said, you can't really force it if you're, if you're not playing well. And then DJ, the, the DJ injury. I mean, do we really buy that DJ was hurt after a pair of eighties and a 78? I think he was just uh, had enough of, you know, the big numbers and he'll snap out of it. <clears throat> if anyone can snap out of it, it's DJ. Uh, and of course he's won at twice. So 35 to one, again, that's, that's going to be one. I uh, have trouble staying away from for sure. Yeah, I mean, you're taking risk with both of them, but, um, you know, I think DJ's poor play is a little more legitimate than Kepka. If you look a little closer at Kepka's sets from last week, he lost five strokes putting uh, last week through those two rounds before he missed the cut. That's just insanely bad. That's his third worst uh, ever um, in strokes gain data. Again, that's per uh, Pat Mayo, our DraftKings expert, uh, part of our panel. So, it was actually kind of vintage uh, Kepka ball striking. He gained three, three and a half strokes uh, off the tee. He gained on approach too. So maybe that's positive signs for him this week. Obviously good vibes at a course where he's won before, you know, these odds 33 to one, um, you know, that's a pretty big price break. You're, you're again, taking a huge risk, but the reward is potentially huge. Um, so I, I can't dissuade you from betting Kepka. I think, you know, he talked about the injury. Anytime anyone hears injury, they they get off of a guy. Um, but it's just kind of like residual from his his surgery. And, you know, there's a little stuff there. But if it was so bad, he wouldn't be playing. You know, he gritted, gritted through two rounds last week. I'm like DJ. So um, I'm willing to bet 33 to 1. Yeah, you really are. I mean, he's shown that you're really just betting on his putter. If he gains a bunch of strokes on the greens, he's probably going to win. So um, if he can roll it this week, he rolled it nice here last year. It looks like he gained almost 10 strokes on the greens here. So you can replicate a performance like that. I think uh, he'll absolutely be in contention and 35 to one for four time major winner is nice and juicy. I think there's another guy in this range though, that I'm maybe a little more interested in. And that's someone who's coming in under the radar is Patrick Reed. Uh, sneakily, he's had a couple of decent performances, finished 10th at the Memorial. I know I said, I'm not going to really look at the Memorial, but uh, you know, he gained over, over three and a half strokes tee to green and off the tee at the Memorial. So that tells me his ball striking is a little back and huge stat. Like we said, is scrambling here in Memphis and, you know, he might be one of the best scram- – he is one of the best scramblers on tour right next to Jason Day, who's also in this uh, price range, who's a little interesting to me also. But Patrick Reed, you know, he's a big game hunter. Um, you know, 33-1 to 1 is a little steep, but that's telling me maybe the odds makers see a, a decent performance coming from P. Reed. So, uh, again, there's risk involved. You know, he could um, just play poorly and not be a factor, but – I could totally see him being in the mix. He he won the last WGC in Mexico, so 
uh, people forget. Big game hunter, Patrick Green. Yep. Um, all right. So let's go a little deeper now. Uh, who of, you know, the below guys, the more off the radar guys, again, it's, it's tough to find too many quote, you know, off the radar guys in a WGC because yep. they're all such big names, but, but clearly you still have guys who are, you know, way down the betting board. Um, is there anybody else that uh, is jumping out for you guys uh, sleeper wise this week? Yeah, I already uh, bet Abraham answer at 45 to one. I'd like it a lot more at 60 or 70 to one in this field, but it's 45 to one still decent. He's only played in a handful of WGCs and he's steadily improved in each one. He finished fourth in uh, China in November, 12th in his home country when uh, Reed won. Uh, DJ and Brooks have proven at this course. Good drivers. Farewell here. Answer ranks 18th in this field and strokes gain off to you over the last 50 rounds per fantasy national. He's 21st on tour this year and strokes gain T to green 25th in approach. That's a good recipe for success at TPC Southwind. Steve said that the greens are tiny and uh, answers a good iron player. He played extremely well at Harbortown where the greens are tiny too. Um, his putting is pretty, pretty poor on Bermuda, but you know, he finished second at Harbortown and those are Bermuda grass greens. So I wouldn't let that deter you. Uh, everyone seemed to be on the answer bandwagon those those first few weeks, and everyone's kind of jumped off maybe this week. So I kind of like to uh, buck the trend and take answer. I like that for sure. It's, it's a matter of time before he gets a win. Um, you know, lower odds maybe than I would like. Uh, Fifty to one at Fanduel, but I like it. Uh, another name that's way down the list uh, is ninety to one Ian Poulter. He he's been playing sneakily well uh, in this restart. Finished fifth. At the workday, 14th at RBC Heritage, similar small greens, and he gained a bunch of strokes around the green. Again, maybe not replicatable, but uh, also on approach and tee to green. So, again, just like Patrick Reed, Poulter's a, a big game hunter, um, and he's trending up. So 90 to 1 compared to guys in that price range, like Myers boy, Scotty Scheffler, who hasn't done anything uh, lately, we, we are waiting for him to break through too. So, you know, maybe you blindly bet Scheffler down here, but, uh, you know, Poulter showing more of a pulse a little bit. So. This could be a Scheffler, could be a Scheffler track for sure. Good. Driver's important. Uh, oh, I'm going to bet on him again. You guys he also could shoot 82. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to oh, I'm gonna entice bet. anyone. I kind of, of all the guys, I don't know, guys jumping out at me, uh, Kevin Nod, 90 to one, mm-hmm. just, Great short game, good iron player. You know. Ninety to one again. Wolf. I mean, finished twelfth last week. Oh, I'm seeing Wolf at uh, seventy. So. Oh, I got. I already got a ninety. Wolf at ninety is very tempting as well. For. for I sure. mean, these. That's the numbers you guys got him at uh, Rocket Mortgage, and right. all he's done since then is go second. I want to say he was twenty second at uh, Memorial. 12th last week he had oh, no. a crappy Rocket Saturday. Mortgage, he was 125. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. insane because that wasn't even a good field. So I he, think he's, he's already in, proven he should be like even in this field like in the 50 to 1 or lower range and he's 90 to 1. Yeah, so that's, that's probably I'm gonna, I hopped right back on him. Yep. Um how about All right, let's go into DFS. I'm not giving my lineup this week because I did it for the first time last week. And <laughs> Of course, it stopped my in-the-money streak. For the first time, I, I didn't cash. Um, thanks a lot, Tony, for that. You know, I was counting on Tony winning. and then well, It wasn't really Tony's fault. He you know, put up kind of the most did, But you need that win bonus at the end, too. I, I, at least I did coming into that last day. No, no, you're right. It was, it was other guys. Um, Scott Piercy really let me down. 
um, Johnny Vegas. But uh, anyway, I'm, so I, I'm, I'm going to do that last minute again. I'll let you guys throw out your lineups um, and, and we'll see what, what we like from there. Go ahead, CP. I actually um, might do mine last minute too. I did not come prepared for that. <laughs> Right, well, but I do, I, do, I do have the pricing up. If, okay. if, I, if I were to make it right now, which I kind of usually do like five minutes before and then change it all Wednesday night, which killed me last week. I swapped out Wolf for Paul Casey because everyone said to put Paul Casey in and he shit the bed on uh, Friday. Yeah. Um, I would probably go Thomas and then I'd probably go uh, – this is happening live, folks. This is so sharp. This is the sharpest. <laughs> really sharp. This is how the magic – is made. You're seeing- I would go. I would throw in Burger at ninety six hundred. Now I'm gonna have to scroll down because those are expensive. Um, answer. I gotta go. Answer since I'm betting on him. Eighty four hundred. A couple couple cornerstones down down the board while uh, Powers. Yeah, yeah Steve, you jump home. in here, please. I'll go That's Wolf. I'll go Wolf again. All right, go ahead. Steve. You're doing the homework while the teacher is talking about it. <laughs> um, a couple guys lower than seven thousand uh, that I like are Ches Reevy. who he's had a uh, couple straight top twenty finishes, and you know he's going to hit a bunch of fairways, bunch of greens. That's important here. Um, so sixty-seven hundred for Ches. I do like that. And I also I like- love I love my lineup. I just finished it. It's amazing. Okay, I'll keep going. If you want. <laughs> And I'll go uh, Matt Wallace too, sixty seven hundred. Um, you know he played he's played decent the last couple of weeks. Was in one of the final groups. Uh, I think it was Workday, right, or maybe Rock and Mortgage. So sixty seven hundred for him. That allows you to go uh, with a couple studs up top. You got Webb in ninety nine. Uh, talked about him before. Berger ninety six hundred. I think he's going to be one of the chalkiest plays of the week. So you really got to you know diversify later down in the lineup. Um, I think Reed, like I said, is going to come in a little under the radar, 8,800. Uh, he's got some serious win equity. And then I rounded out with Mark Leishman, uh, 7,700. You know, he's decent around the greens. Usually he's been a little poor uh, in that area this season, but he's going to hit a, a bunch of greens, uh, which is huge here. So that leaves you 600 uh, on the table and a sure. little sharp strategy that our guy uh, Rick Gaiman was talking about this morning on his podcast was, you know, if you're entering like one or two lineups, like us chumps do, you know, you're really, you you have such a disadvantage against, you know, most of these sharp DFS people enter like the max amount of lineups. So maybe not the millionaire maker, but these like $3 or $6, they're entering like $500 worth of lineups. So like when we're entering a lineup or two, I mean, we're, we're telling people a lot of what they already know, but we're at a serious disadvantage. So we might have to uh, pull together all of our money maybe in the future and, you know, enter the max amount of lineups in some of these contests. Yeah, yeah. it is tough. But I, again, I mean, I was, I, I win money every week. So, you know, it's no big deal, even with my one lineup. So, you know, if you do it right, you do it right. Yeah. I enter, I'm entering uh I'll, I'll never win again. Ne- I had my one my one chance at a big hit, and I came up short, and that, that's going to be it. Yeah, I entered one lineup in one of these contests that you can do 150. And, uh, <laughs> oh I think I'm done. God, so 150? I'm well, that's the millionaire maker. You could enter 150 in the millionaire maker. That's insane. On the, you know, those guys with like the five computers. Three that's three grand. Yeah. Oh, my God. No yeah. wonder there's so much money to dole out in prizes. <laughs> 
takes money to make money, man. You know, I know that that is it is a serious. It does. Um, Those people figured it out, uh, and they got a lot going on. Um, All right, let's give a Barracuda pick if you don't mind. I'll I'll kick it off first, and and you're not going to believe it, but I I will. I do like Patty Rogers, twenty-eight to one. Um, You know, he's been he's been playing pretty well. Uh, Obviously, it's a great chance for anyone to get a first win in an opposite field event. And I don't know, maybe maybe you're looking up at the leaderboard, you see your name up there, but it's, you know, the modified stable forward, forward scoring instead of in relation to par, maybe that, that does something to his mindset and he's able to close the deal for once. Because obviously <laughs> we know how talented this guy is. I mean, he tied Tiger Woods' record for wins at, at Stanford and everything else. And, you know, a lot of big things have been expected of him, especially from, from Chris. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, 28 to 1, you know, I think that's pretty decent. This really is such a perfect – perfect event for a guy like him to, to yeah. finally get it done uh yeah i don't hate that i don't hate norin at 28 to 1 either after a really strong week last week but um a guy like his maverick mcneely another guy who uh this is a great event for him to get that first win so he's at he was at 70 to 1 this morning when i went to bet him and uh, i didn't and now he's down to 55 to 1 so maybe uh there's some movement on mav at uh Barracuda. Someone wow. sharp. Somebody no, sharp. Maybe someone's Dave, also maybe sharp on Dave Esther must have bet on him. <laughs> Dave, yes. Someone's also sharp on uh Robbie Shelton, who was yep. hundred to one. Now he's down to seventy-five to one. We saw him. he had his best finish on the PGA tour last week. I think finished top six. Um yeah, you know, he, he could make a bunch of birdies in a hurry. Um and obviously that's what you need in Stableford. So I like that. I'm looking a little farther down the board because, um, you know, just anyone can really break through. Um, so I like a guy who we saw pop a couple weeks ago, Seamus Power, 175 to 1. Again, he can make a bunch of birdies. Uh, I think he leads uh, the tour top 10 in Eagles made. Um, he's 175 to 1. I like that. Um, so I do like McNeely, though. I think you're a little sharp on that, CP. I'm going to do it right now. Live action. Live. Wow, we got a lot of live action. Got to have something on everything. Everything's back this week. LPGA. Right? Yeah, yeah, LPGA. Can, yeah. Can you give us our uh, our Christina Kim analysis? Since I had none. Just she just seems to have some good vibes going right now. So. Great broadcaster. So yep. yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. She actually well, yeah. uh, had a couple of decent finishes when the season started too. So that means nothing, but I'm gonna pretend it does. All right. Well, we'll see. You got. That would be an incredible double if you pulled up. <laughs> Why don't you make it a triple? I mean, let's. I know. I should have made it a triple. WGC and the LPGA all in the mix there. That, that Get would... Mike Miller at 150 to 1 oh, on yeah, Corn Ferry. Yeah, our boy Mike Miller. <laughs> uh, all right. Good stuff, guys. Obviously, uh, thanks again to the Tour Junkies for joining us. Thanks, as always, to our producer, Greg Gottfried. Um, and we will be back next week. Hopefully, we'll be back in the money. Uh, we'll, and we'll be able to break it all down. And, and again, extra special picks next week because we have the first major championship of the year, the PJ Championship. So big week this week, big couple weeks actually in the next couple weeks. So uh, check back next week to see uh, what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs>